0: Blob
1: Talk Radio I enter the Holy of Holies I enter through the blood of the Lamb I enter to worship you only I enter
2: Stephen Benun, you're watching Israeli News Live. This is a prophetic segment of our broadcast. And one thing, just let me kind of make sure I make clear. When we say prophetic segment, that doesn't mean that I'm actually prophesying, but I'm sharing with you prophetic insights from God's prophets throughout His Word that is happening in modern times. So I just wanted to kind of clear that up just in case sometimes people think, well, you're prophesying. I'm just sharing with you what I'm seeing already. Uh, I want to take you to the book of Hosea, chapter 7 and chapter 8, because clearly the things that are happening yet again around the world, events that are transpiring, are fulfilling biblical prophecy. And these prophecies, in some cases in Hosea, have already been fulfilled and yet part of it is only destined to be fulfilled in the very coming months and days ahead uh could even be a year or so away or more Uh, but i just i can't really give you a time frame but i wanted to set some of the stage for you here so you can see what's going on let's begin with uh hosea chapter 7 verse 8 ephraim he hath mixed himself among the people ephraim is a cake not turned Okay, he's cooked only on one side, as so to speak there. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth it not. That's kind of interesting. Now, playing in the background here is President Obama, along with President Bush, former President Bush and former President Carter, and I think it's interesting when it speaks about the gray hair as upon him, and he knoweth it not because each one of these men, when they began their time in office there, were not gray headed, but the gray hair becomes very quickly uh before they even realize it and Of course, the picture is a little bit older here. Obama's nearly snow white now, but he started off pretty pretty black headed originally, and same with uh president former president uh um Bush here as well as former Uh, President there Clinton as well so anyway it says here and the pride of Israel testified to his face and they do not return to the Lord their God nor seek him for all of this Uh, the pride of Israel testifies to his face that's interesting because see we're supposed to be a godly nation that stands for Israel but Israel's even testifying to our face see Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. That's exactly the way it's happened. We see that the United States went in there and toppled the Egyptian government and now into Assyria to, again, topple another government, which is uh, President Bashar al-Assad. Now Russia's there to protect Bashar al-Assad, and clearly, even today, Bashar al-Assad was saying that the United Kingdom joining in with the coalition of the United States there to bomb ISIS is an illegal uh, uh, group that is in his country and bombing his country without authorization. you got to remember now Russia is there to take up for Basr al-Assad. So he's clearly setting the guidelines there, who's the enemy, so Russia is well aware of that in the event a future conflict between NATO and her allies against Russia and hers come out, which may very well happen. Now, let's look at more what it says here. This is why I'm kind of bringing these things all out. I want you to see it in line of biblical prophecy and what's going on here. All right, so he says here, verse 12, when they shall go, I will spread my net upon them. I will bring them down as the fowls of the heaven. I will chastise them as their congregation hath heard. I thought that was interesting. Bring them down as the fowls of heaven. Well, what are they doing? They're doing an air campaign there against supposedly ISIS in the region. Well, God is going to bring them down as the fowls fowls of heaven their planes in other words are going to come down out of the skies there and notice what he says as it has uh, i will chastise them as their congregation hath heard uh, and that is the american people we have heard for years even by people prophesying judgment is coming to the land of america because why they have turned against israel We see former President Clinton was somewhat cared about Israel, but not enough, and and Bush the same. He claimed to be for Israel. But in reality, they were both wanting to split the land of Israel. And now Obama definitely could care less about Israel and there to split the land as well. So none of them, pot can't call kettle black whatsoever. They're all guilty in this party here. All right, so going on, verse... um, Verse 13, Woe unto them, for they have fled from me, destruction unto them, because they have transgressed against me. Though I have redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me. Now, notice, God says, I have redeemed them. What does He mean by this? You see, Ephraim, or in some cases people say that the United States is the lost house of Israel there, it is true. Many of the tribes of Israel ended up in the United States, and yes, God redeemed them. He allowed the gospel of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, To go to the United States, he allowed an outpouring of the Spirit, and God redeemed Israel, redeemed the house of Israel, those that were dwelling in the United States, and has allowed them to see the gospel of Jesus Christ. But notice what he says there. Though I have redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me. Because the government rose up, and not only the government, even the churches here have spoken lies against God and against his word. All right, so let's see what he says here uh, as we move on. Uh, He says in verse 14, And they have not cried unto me with their heart when they howled upon their beds. They assembled themselves for corn and wine, and they rebelled against me. You see, what is it? Ministers have assembled together only for to get a dollar, only to make sure that they have plenty of corn and wine, so to speak. But that is the only thing that they do it for and they've rebelled against God. Though I have bound and strengthened their arms, yet do they imagine mischief against me. Now that's the that's what's sad. God blessed the United States because there were presidents that stood for Israel. Like former President Nixon, when Golda Meir sent him, called him in the middle of the night and said, if you don't come to Israel's aid, I don't know what will happen. And President uh, uh, Nixon said he remembered the words of his mother who said that the time will come you will be in a place of power she was a praying woman you'll be in a place of power where you can help Israel and don't forget them when that day comes he said he heard his mother's ears back in his voice as gold in the ear talked to him and it was the largest armed shipment the world ever seen overnight to Israel and it was one of the main turning points in the war of Israel's survival so we see here though God says here you know, that, that when they howled upon their beds and assembled, or verse 15, though I have bound and strengthened their arms, you know, in other words, he strengthened them as a nation, yet you, you do imagine mischief against me, because why? Now the current administration is willing to go against Israel. And they're definitely going to do it, especially after we see the little the, the, the near death experience of little brother Nathan there. Somebody sent me a message, isn't that interesting that David the prophet to David was Nathan as well and the coming of the Mashiach, the son of David, uh, also now we have a little young man there. The young men shall see uh, dream dream or excuse me, the old man will dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. So whether it's a vision or whether it's near death, whichever one it is, Nonetheless, he has prophesied like the prophet Nathan. Um, Anyway, so we move on. Verse 16, they returned, but not uh, uh, to the Most High. They are like a deceitful bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword. See, the princes shall fall by the sword. And and, uh, for the rage of their tongue, this shall be their derision in the land of Egypt that's amazing isn't it for for, notice what he says there for the rage of their tongue that's what politicians do they rage with their mouth they got a lot to say but they normally can never back up what they say or they don't never do what they say Uh, or in this case here as we see donald trump right now he puts all the blame on israel and stands for the palestinians and then he turns around with the other side of his mouth and speaks against the whole entire arabic world Just amazing. Uh, We go into chapter 8. It says, Set the trumpet to thy mouth. He shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. Look how God actually speaks about the United States here. Come as an eagle. Why? Because he flies into Syria with his war planes. And yes, he comes in. And of course, the the national uh, bird for the United States is an eagle. And uh, so he comes in, but he says, you've transgressed against my law. You see, and and what's funny, even though that, uh, I better hold back on that. Some of these people get angry. They don't even know how to handle the whole word of God the way it should be. Let me tell you something. Uh, They've rejected the Ten Commandments in this country here. You know, there was actually really 12 if you want to look at it because when Moses was given the Ten, he had two ordinances to go with it, which is the same thing as a commandment of God. And that's what's interesting because in the gloss gospel, Yeshua comes back and he gives 12 commandments. And he says this is the what Moses gave originally. And he says it's what was given to Enoch. It's what was given to Adam and Eve. It is an eternal commandment of God. And no, there has to be no more added to it whatsoever. All right, so we move on down here. Israel shall cry unto me, my God, we know thee. See, what's going to happen? Why? Because the United States is going to turn on Israel. Because God said all the nations are coming against Israel. Is that right? So he says right here, Israel hath cast off the thing that is good. The enemy shall pursue him. See, Uh, Israel's done the same thing. Why? Because the politicians in Israel, they're not seeking God. They're seeking after worldly gain. They went out and married the Roman Catholic Church and brought Jezebel back in the country again. Israel has also gone against God as well when they should have their faces to the wall seeking God. But it does say though that they will turn and they'll cry out to God. Alright, verse 4, They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. Of their silver and their gold have they made them idols, and they have they may, may be cut off. See, you put Prime Minister Netanyahu in there, and you anointed him and call him a king of Israel, but it's not God's doing, you see. It's not God's doing. That's why Micah's prophecy says, they will, say, will ask the question, is there no king in thee? Has thy counselor perished? Yes, you killed your counselor, Yeshua the Messiah. And the king, prime minister Netanyahu, is not going to deliver you out of the hand of your enemy. That is a fact. We know that to be so. Alright, so he goes on and he says in verse 5, they, thy calf, O Samaria, hath cast thee off. Mine anger is kindled against them. How long will it be ere they attained to innocency? See, your calf. You know, they talk about the calf, the the, the the red heifer that they brought back to Temple Institute and they got it in a place where nobody knows. Well, I think the Bible just identified where you've got that calf hidden at. you got it over there in Samaria somewhere to where nobody can really see it. So God knows where the calf is. And He says your calf ain't going to do you no good. Thy calf, O Samaria, hath cast thee off. Mine anger is kindled against them. Why? Because you're going to try to go back and offer burnt sacrifice again when Yeshua come and did away with it? What is wrong, my friends? There's something wrong because God has clearly said when Yeshua come, He said if you knew what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He said then you would not have convicted the innocent. See, you wouldn't have condemned the guiltless that that little creature that didn't never do anything wrong. Let's move on down here as well. So he says, verse six: For from Israel was it also the workman made it. Therefore, it is not God, but the calf of Samaria shall be broken in pieces. See, you bring out that calf again. Remember, it says in in the uh, New Testament, I believe it was Paul that wrote, they 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 sacrificed unto their god Moloch. Forty years in the wilderness and that started from the time that they put that golden calf up. That's not what God wanted. You know, I was talking I sent a message the other day uh to uh to a good friend of mine there the um uh he is the he's actually the writer there he written he, he's written several books there, he's an archaeologist and, and um and and an Egyptologist, David Rowe and David is just a remarkable Egyptologist there and I asked him about Uh, Bulls and the sacrificial animals that Egypt, you know, because one person tried to say to me that Egypt never sacrificed animals. And David wrote me back. He said, yes, he said that was the main thing they sacrificed was the bull. He said, what's interesting though, in, in Egypt's history, they never sacrificed lambs or goats. It was only the bulls. And so that's what's interesting. See, it's not, it's not according to what God's desire is. God is not wanting a temple set up. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. And Yeshua said in His day, but you've made it into a den of thieves. See, if you look at that in the pure translation, you've made it into a house of butchery. See, oh my gosh, friends. Look at this Word of God here. It's incredible here. So He says, anyway... For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stalk, the bud shall yield no meal. If so it be yielded, the stranger shall swallow it up. There's a promise. I wish I'd have looked it up beforehand for you, what God will do. If you, if, if you, if you keep His commandments, there's a blessing in His Word that says that your, your crops will be bountiful. It says in there that your fruit trees will produce abundantly. But go against his word and he says i'll dry them all up all right israel is swallowed up now shall they be among the gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure for they are gone up to assyria a wild ass alone by himself ephraim hath hired lovers see what did they do they went up and and see israel's doing the same thing they're going in there and bombing in syria too And what did the United States do? They have hired in lovers, the NATO allies, Germany, and all the rest of them there. See, they're doing the exact same thing. All right? For they are gone up to Assyria, a wild ass alone by himself. Ephraim have hired lovers. Yea, though they have hired among the nations, now will I gather them, and they shall sorrow a little for the burden of the king of princes there. So Just tell tell them there, thank you so kindly there, what you did there for the burden of the king of princes there. By the way, you know who that king of princes is? The Pope of Rome that talked you into doing all of this. It's the Pope of Rome that sent you in there to take Israel for his own greedy sake. So you're going to suffer a little bit because of the king of princes. As Yeshua says in the lost gospel there, he said you made a God who is not a God and you worship him as if he was God. Sounds pretty familiar from the old testament doesn 't it Satan be know uh, even from I think it 's thessalonians if i 'm not mistaken, Paul says that he says there 's one that, that, that Satan wanted to be worshipped as if he were God, sitting in the temple of God and exalting himself above all that is called god and that 's exactly what the Pope of Rome actually does friends for israel now let 's go on down uh, excuse me i 'm sorry verse thirteen or verse 12, I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna back up that. I think it's no, I'm sorry, we should have been in verse eleven. Because Ephraim hath made many altars to sin, altars shall be unto him to sin. Altars? What do you do on an altar? Well, you know what they do? They burn. They they kill and slaughter animals and kill them and, and burn them on the altar. Now he says Ephraim's done it. That's the United States. He says, I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Yes, sir. You know, it was found, the discovery of the lost Gospels and where Yeshua spoke about the 12 commandments of the humane law of God. The Americans, uh, when it was taken there, and of course it's in the British Museum. Even found in the 1800s in Saint uh, Mary's uh, uh, Monastery in, in the Sinai Peninsula was one of the oldest. Even older than the one that I always talked about, the oldest known uh, copy of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and scholars have been debating it because why? Just like the lost gospels that was found in in Tibet and some of the lost gospels that were found in Egypt, it also stated in this writing here that Yeshua was for the, the humaneness of animals and came to stop the killing and innocent slaughter of animals. They didn't change it. What an amazing thing to find out, friends. And you can look it up online. It's there. I've read it. I, I want to find an actual copy. It's just amazing to see that. And then, and from that, the scholars have seen just how much has been changed of what we have today. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, also, they did not have anywhere where Yeshua multiplied fish. It was something that was later added. And this is actually Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, speaking of John, keep in mind when I say that they have rejected the commandment of the Lord here as he said and counted it as a strange thing see what does he say verse 12 I have written to him the great things of my law but they were counted as a strange thing and the government even if you looked at the canon of today the government doesn't want anything to do with the Bible they count it as a strange thing see but the holy law that God had there it was given to them and they counted as a strange thing want nothing to do it says they sacrifice flesh for the sacrifices of mine offering and God said let it be the broken and contrite spirit let it be the sacrifice of praise with your lips that's what was supposed to be done since Yeshua came and died on, on the cross it was to be the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving but he says you sacrifice flesh for the sacrifices of mine offering and eat it but the Lord accepted them not. Now will He remember them? Not now will excuse me. He will remember their iniquity and visit their sins. They shall return to Egypt, for Israel hath forgotten his Maker and buildeth temples. See, actually, if you look at that, if you translate it right, buildeth his temple. See. And and what does he say here? And Judah hath multiplied fenced cities, but I will send a fire upon his cities, and it shall devour the palaces thereof. Friends, let me tell you something. That's also a prophecy, letting us know they're going to build the temple. And from what I hear, it won't take them long. So, friends, we're uh, we're at the precipice of seeing more prophecies fulfilled. As we just count, just kind of recapping here, just paraphrasing some of this here ephraim is a type of the united states she's gone up like a like a wild ass as he said and she's hired lovers from the nations the nato allies at the at the at the hand of the king of prince princes there and that's the pope of rome and they've gone in there god says i'll take like a net and bring down the birds god's going to bring down the war planes that they've gone in there with and I don't know what's going to cause it. Is it going to be a fight between Russia and the United States? Who knows what's going to happen, friends? But we do know that these there's going to be a lot of fighting in this area here. And yet, he's come against Israel. Come against Israel. Oh, my gosh, my friends. My gosh. Oh, my gosh. Praise be to God, friends. Uh, they, we're living in an exciting times. And I am just really excited, you know, and Anyway, let's close in this particular broadcast. is more in the prophetic realm than it is in the actual news that is happening. Uh, so, uh, but I trust it's still a blessing because we see what's happening in and around Israel and Syria. We see what Israel's doing. Israel's going to cry out for her Messiah. God is going to deliver her, but it's going to be through some major birth pains, what Micah says. He says, if I bring it forth, the, the birth, he says, how shall I bring it forth and not bring it to pass? Okay, friends, so it's got to happen, and it's a very tough time, friends. I know it is. Pray for Israel. Pray for for the children of God around the world everywhere that God will deliver. Open eyes to get people to see what the Word of God says for this day, friends. We are in a serious, serious, serious hour, friends. It's very serious. And the only way is through the deliverance of Yeshua. He's got to come and redeem us. And we must be ready. We must believe his word and stand with his word. Anyway, God bless you. Thank you for watching. Those of you that have been praying for my wife to give you a little update, uh, she's starting to get some of the motion back in her arm. Uh, uh, The pain has subsided somewhat. Uh, we will be going. She did the MRI. We're we'll going to the doctor tomorrow to see what has actually happened in her arm. So I just thank you for your prayers, and, and and we've many of you sent different ideas to us that we could do some of those. We've actually enacted, and and of course my wife, being a natural, um, I don't she don't like me saying doctor. She's not a naturopath doctor, but she did study. Uh, was studying for her doctorate degree, but the, the college closed and didn't complete that part, but she understands a lot of these. So these things do work. DMSO, a topical, uh, high doses of vitamin C reduces inflammation, and of course, the mercy of God above all. So we thank you guys for praying for us and being there for us. God bless you, we love you. Also, too, one other thought, just in case, those of you that watch that have limited internet space to be able to to listen to the broadcast here. We are now loading our Israeli news on IsraeliNewslive.org in podcast format. Sister Torres transcribes for us, and as the transcript comes up, we will attach it to that same particular article there that has the, the podcast there. So if you don't have the ability to to watch, you can listen to it on podcasts on IsraeliNewsLive.org. Shalom and God bless.
3: Are you serious? Are you serious? Are you ready for the mark of
4: the beast? Are you ready for the system that could be used, the technology that could be used to implement the mark of the beast? Uh, let's call them tech tats or tech, technology tattoos, biometric tattoos. And they've raised the bar, folks, in a wearable technology. Now, matter of fact, inking data collectors on your skin could become the next step in a wearable technology allowing them to obtain health and other very vital information, biometric data from the body without a pause. Researchers from the chaotic moon studios have devised a cutting-edge tattoo kit which allows for the monitoring of one's own body activity without being intrusive. Chaotic Moon CEO Ben Lamb told TechCrunch that he sees big potential for these technological tattoos, which is what they call their prototype, the TechTat. Now, they envision the potential for its application in the military. Quote, we got to do a lot of cool stuff at Chaotic Moon, but with this, we think there's a military application for it, health applications for it, and there are all kinds of opportunities around it. Yeah, like the Mark of the Beast. Folks, I wrote a book called Mark of the Beast, R-F-I-D. And it's only available at my website. So if you go there, go to the products page, go to the books, and get your hands on a copy of it. I'll ship it to you right away. And the reason is we talk about this very technology in the book that I wrote back in 2012. Now, this is the 15th, 15th thing that we wrote in that book in advance that has come to pass. Including, we wrote, that the Pope, Pope Benedict, would resign and make way for a new Pope instead of dying. And there hadn't been a Pope resigned in 600 years. Fifteen things, and this is one of them. Mark of the beast. Technology. Now, this—I'm not saying this is the mark of the beast. I'm telling you, this is the type of technology. It's biometric. In other words, it's even even more than what you're looking at there. I'm talking about it's such a small nano nanotechnology that can be uh, uh, implemented into the body. So small, but it only works in you. You can't take it out of you and put it in someone else. It won't work. It's biometric. It's based on your DNA and your fingerprints and your irises in your eye. And it's connected to your social security numbers, your bank account numbers, and everything else. I mean, you're a walking debit card, and only you can use it. This is the type of thing we're talking about. Now, still, that's not the mark of the beast until you are told to take it. You without it, you can't buy or sell, and you'll have to renounce Jesus Christ. Because there will be no religion allowed in this new world. There will be a one world government, a one world religion, but it will not include Jesus Christ. It will be a mind control, spirit control, manipulating demonic entity during this black awakening of the rise of the beast and the new world order. And the mark of the beast will implement. Um, Now, also, for example, these tech taps could potentially detect poisons in the air, pathogens that could be on a soldier's body or identify when they are hurt or stressed. Collecting biometric data is old news. We know this. Your smartphone can even do it on its own or through a linked accessories like a bracelet or a badge in order to monitor how many steps you've taken in a day and where you're located because we know it's a GPS and all that. That's, that's easy. But these tech taps stand out because they are directly attached to the skin, potentially providing more accurate information and for a longer window of time. This is is not something that can be easily removed, like a Fitbit. It can be underneath a flat jacket, directly on the skin to be collecting this data and being reported back to the main computer systems, or the beast still this technology is removable it's not like it's surgically implanted under the skin or anything like that this uh, we're talking about the first prototype that you're looking at the electronic uh paint can wash off pretty much like a temporary tattoo it is still unclear what sort of precautions one would have to go through in order not to wash it off too quickly though uh eric schneider the creative technologist behind the tech taps describes this device as something you would apply once a year to collect medical data and avoid health checkups and all those kind of things. Now, these tattoos, kids, and this is how they're going to sell it to you. This is how they're going to buy you in. You're going to say it's because it's going to be a new advancement in technology. They're not going to tell you how, how this advancement in technology is actually taking you closer to the rise of the Antichrist. And let me just say this too as well that uh, the technologies are now catching up with the prophecies wow are you serious and these tattoo kits are seen as a cheaper alternative to any permanent implementation uh, implants excuse me and would spare an owner from the need to charge their tracking devices introducing a stick on and go approach now that won't last though another exciting feature worth mentioning is the location tracking great for parents worried about their kids and all that. So they're trying to sell you on why this is so great and so awesome. I'm trying to warn you that, that what you're seeing here is the early stages, uh, and it won't be long. It's in the Obamacare bill, by the way, uh, of a Mark of the Beast technology. I'm not saying this is the Mark of the Beast, but we've got to get a technology ready before it can be implemented. We're getting very close. Are you saved? We're running out of time. Do not miss tonight's Sunday night live broadcast starts at seven PM Eastern. Wow, will it be a power pack barn burner? Including we will break away to hear the president of the United States speak at the Oval Office. We will watch him live at our website. You can be in the chat room chatting with others as we watch, and then we'll come right back to me and we will reassess the speech and what does it mean for America and the world. Are you saved? The Antichrist is rising.
3: Good
5: morning, everyone.
3: You will see her posting scriptures. We're going to sing a song. Uh, Jesus Christ is going to be glorified. And uh, we are now live, so praise the Lord.
5: Lord, we just ask you to come into this room now, Lord. Yes. And we ask you to continue to bless us and bless others, Lord. We thank you for your miracle signs and wonders, and we thank you for giving us the eyes to see and the ears to hear. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for ushering in on us in
6: Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Thank you. Thank you, my beautiful wife. What a blessing it is. What a blessing it is when you've been blessed with a wife that was a gift from God. (laughs) That's a huge blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is Minister Paul, Righteous Crime Ministries, my wife, Gail. We're here to glorify Jesus Christ, and we want to welcome you uh, to this service. Welcome to everybody that's live in the chat box. Uh, welcome to everybody that's listening to this, wherever you may be at, whatever time it may be. If you're hearing this message, that means you're blessed. You're blessed because God has still granted you time here, to serve Him, to seek repentance, to love others, and to do everything Christ has uh, asked us to do. Um, So what I want to do is I want to open up in prayer. We're going to sing a worship song. I want to tell you something. I've never been more, what's the right word? I want to say excited. I've never been more enthusiastic and thrilled. To give a message, and I've been giving a lot of messages over the last four years publicly, than this one right here. And so, uh, normally I write out the prayers before and after, but I'm—I haven't written down any prayers. So I've just been led by the Holy Spirit to just pray, and not only that, to ask you to get involved and pray with us. We're gonna pray together. To Jesus, we're going to pray together. We're going to open up in prayer and express our love and our worship, and pray for others together. Then we're going to go into the message. So, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, who was, and is, and is to come, the Alpha and the Omega, begin to pray. Your prayer may not sound like my prayer, but let this prayer come from your heart. Lord Jesus, we are gathered here together to worship you. Lord, we present ourselves to you humbly as yielded vessels. Remove everything that is not of you. Tear it out of us now. Root it out and and just consume us. We submit to you, Jesus. We submit to your way. We submit to your will. Lord, use us today for your glory. And for your kingdom, I, I submit myself to you, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Lord, prove what is your perfect will in this message. Make my tongue like a pen of a ready writer. Lord, let this message be pleasing to you. I pray for everybody in the chat box. I pray for everybody that, that is within the sound of my voice. I pray for protection over their lives. I pray for provision in their lives. I pray that their family members come in. I pray that the the lost members and family that they have become to repentance through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit. And, Father God, I pray for my family, and I pray for my wife's family. I pray for comfort. I pray for peace. I pray for for things you can do that I can't do, that you manifest yourself in this service and in our lives in a greater fashion for my whole entire family. Lord God, I have a lot of things to be thankful for today. And I'm going to open up my mouth and I'm going to use it to praise you and to request things of you. Father God, we need your presence now. My family needs your presence. This room needs your presence. This world needs your presence. Lord, show up. Hear our cries collectively, Lord. And in your name we all say it. Amen. 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 So that's at the feet of Jesus already being worked on. Isn't he good? Yes. Good. So uh, my wife and I, uh, and, and you're welcome to sing along too. Uh, this, this is a confession I'm going to make. is uh, I can't sing. My wife can sing beautifully. No. But I can't. (laughs) here. That's 20 20 years of marriage and wisdom right there.
6: But to God. But look, this is
3: what the Lord told me when I was uh, getting ready for this service. Uh, An earthly father, if if we sang the way my wife and I are about to sing, he would smile and nod and pretend he enjoyed it because he loves us. But secretly, he's like, these people ain't singers. And we're not singers, and we're not professing to be singers. But our, our Heavenly Father, which are in heaven and hallowed to his name, when he hears our praise, he actually does love it. He doesn't pretend, he doesn't fake it, he doesn't smile and nod. He receives it. He loves to be worshipped because it's not coming from lips. We're not giving them lip service. We're going to worship them from our heart together. So if you want to sing this song with us, we're going to sing. It's called, How Great Is Our God. We're going to sing it from our heart to God. Amen. You ready? How great great is our God. God. Sing Sing with me. me. How How great great is our God. God. And all will see see how how great how great is our God. The
6: God Father, Spirit, Son,
3: Lion and the Lamb, that's Jesus, Lion and the Lamb, how great is our God, sing with us, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God, The name above all names,
0: worthy of
3: all praise. My heart will sing how great, how great is our God. Isn't he good? Has he been good to you? Did you wake up today? You got air in your lungs, you're above ground, you're able to pray for others. You serve a great God. Amen. So, we're going to go to the scriptures here. I have printed out the foundational scripture of this message. This message is called the rapture of the church. And let me say before I begin that as I begin to study for this message as I do every minute. Am I shouting?
5: Yeah,
3: a little bit. Let's, let's all Slow your roll. Slow down. Everybody slow, slow down. down. we we'll to take a sip of water. You get excited. I thirst. There's coming a day out. when I thirst no more. I cry no more. That's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> this community. It's refreshing, but just for a minute. You know what I mean? But Jesus Christ, he's going to refresh us forever. So, as I studied this message, I I realized that there was 10,000 different people giving 10,000 different opinions. And so i had to i had to uh extract myself from others' opinions and what men have been taught and go straight to Jesus and go go and he led me right to his word, and I began a journey in his word. I just opened up to Daniel seven three if someone wants to pray on that I went straight to his word. And things begin to just flow, and I want to share with you like this journey I took through the Word of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament with confirmation after confirmation of confirmation that there is a rapture of the church. And and this isn't because I studied someone's website or their blog. This was revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. But I'm not going to stand here as the final authority that knows everything and say, this is how it is, because I'm not that type of man. I am not the final authority. Jesus Christ is is the final authority on everything, on earth, above earth, and below earth. I'm going to submit to you what the Holy Spirit revealed to me. And then I want you to study it for yourself. And take it to the same Jesus I took it to, using the same words of God I did, and and then ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and open your ears and have him reveal to you things in his way. See, you're personal. He loves you. And so, I don't know no dates. I don't know no hours. I'm not talking about pre-trib, most post-trib, all of these things. Some people say there's no rapture. I'm going to talk about what the Holy Spirit revealed to me as I have in this pulpit since the very beginning. Having said that, as an imperfect man who just loves Christ with all his heart, let's go to the first scripture. It's First Thessalonians 4, 13, what did I write down? 13, 16. Four. Uh, First Thessalonians, okay, we're going to come back to that. First Thessalonians 4.16. And it says, I'm just going to read it from the Amplified I have printed out here. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the shout of a command. This is the Amplified Greek. And the voice of the archangel, and with the blast of his trumpet of God, And the dead in Christ will rise first. This was the beginning of my study and my journey on the rapture. And I'm going to tell you right now, I can't follow that clock today. I refuse to follow that clock. I'm going to go through all of this if it takes two hours. I don't think it'll take two hours, but I'm going to go through all of this. I'm not in any hurry. I think I can do it in about an hour. Uh... But God, we pray for your mercy and grace on that. So I couldn't, I want you to understand how real this became to me. Starting at the very first foundational scripture everybody uses for the harpozo, the rapture, the catching away, the snatching away. The removal of the church. Can we just call it that? The removal of the church from earth. Some, some people say the word rapture ain't in the Bible. Okay, well then we'll just call it the removal. I'm just flowing in the Holy Spirit. The removal of the church from earth. The word Bible ain't in the Bible. And yet I got one right in front of me. You understand what I'm saying? So it said the dead in Christ will rise first. So first thing I couldn't reconcile is who's the dead in Christ? I couldn't get past this and I couldn't start my message. And I had to take a whole day off because I, I couldn't reconcile the dead in Christ, and who they were, from what I knew in my mind, and what I knew of the word, and the Holy Spirit took me on this journey, and, and we're going to explain who I believe the dead in Christ are, and that's going to be the foundational scripture, we're going to come back to this scripture, First Thessalonians 4, and we're going to read it uh in depth thirteen through eighteen, the entire thing, so you can get a great understanding so uh so we'll come back to that, so we'm gonna put this right here. we're gonna stay organized and do this decently in order. We're gonna go to luke nine twenty eight and this is how the holy spirit this is not on no blog, this is not no wordpress this is uh this is the Holy Spirit speaking to a servant of God down here using the Word of God. And uh, I'm not going to add to it or take it away from it. We're going to go to Luke 9, 28. We've already prayed. I was about ready to pray again. Because this is a serious topic, but we've already prayed. It is enough. I hear the Holy Spirit saying. And it came to pass, about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James... Notice these people. James, the biological brother of Jesus, and Peter and John. Uh, This is John the Revelator, by the way. And they went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. He just began to just be transformed, be transfigured, to to glow in the power and the full power of as he is right now. The ascended Jesus. And behold, verse 30, 9, Luke 9, verse 30. And behold, there talked with them two men. There's witnesses to this. Cross reference Hebrew eleven twenty-three, 23. Which were Moses and Elias, the King James says. It's Elijah. Moses and Elijah. I want you to picture this. Jesus is glowing like a transformed, powerful. Spirit, just like he is in Revelation 1 that John the Revelator is writing by the way that's up on this mountain seeing this you with me and then here's Moses and Elijah Moses representing the law of the old covenant and Elijah representing the prophets and Jesus Christ in the middle fulfilling the law and the prophets how great is our God he's fulfilling the law and the prophets did you know that if you didn't, I believe it's the same chapter of Luke where he, he invites his family members and everybody from his town to come and have a service. And he says, have a seat. And he opens right up to Isaiah and he said, this has been fulfilled in you today, in me. And they dragged him out to a cliff to throw him off the cliff. He said, I just fulfilled this. I just fulfilled what the prophet said. I am he. Whew. So here's a Eli- lot. Here's Moses. and he- And here's Elijah. Elijah never died. And this was really a mind bender for me. Because the Bible says it is appointed once to die. Every man wants to die. And Elijah didn't die. And again, it seemed like a conflict in my mind. And but So here you have a prophet who never died and ascended straight to heaven. like If we're alive, like we will in the rapture. Well, it's in straight to heaven alive. And, and one who has died, and yet here he is. Here he is. He's not a ghost. He's there. And how do I know that, that they know who he is? Because they say it's Moses. Peter knew it was Moses. So Peter is seeing someone who lived and died and, and is now still alive. He's seeing him with his own eyes. And I don't think at the time that this happened, he really understood what was going on, because he said, let's let's build three altars, an altar, because he's so amazed by this. Let, let's go on. So, so one of them had died, and the other hadn't, and yet here they both are. You with me on this? When the Bible says that his appointed man wants to die, here's Jesus. He will later die and rise again, and he's showing you, what, what will it look like when he, you know why? Because he was God in the flesh. and he, So, let me continue. At 31, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. So, Jesus is in the middle, in a glory, a state of glory, talking about how he's going to die too. And here's two people beside him that he went on before him, but one never died. Watch this. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. Daniel 8 and 18 and 10 and 9. One of them being Elijah and one of them being Moses. Uh, So Christ is in a transfigured state. So now follow me on this. I want to talk about Moses for a minute. I'm just following my notes. Let's flow to uh, Deuteronomy 34. This is actually in the Torah or the book of the law, the law of Moses, some call it. And in the in the book of Deuteronomy thirty four, I want you to catch Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, open up their eyes and open up their ears and bind all distraction and hindrances for them to see in your word. Let your word come to life so that everybody within the sound of my voice can see your truth. Amen. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah, and that is over Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead to Dan, and, and you know, the Holy Spirit instantly quickened in me something here. Now I want, I'm just going to flow. Do you remember when Jesus? He went to. He's showing his human side. He went to. Uh, he went to fast forty days and forty nights, and he comes down, and he's prepared now to de- to defeat Satan for us forever. And what does Satan do? He takes him up on a hill, did he not, and shows him everything. And he says, do you see all this? This could be yours if you would just worship me. And Jesus, said, Jesus already knows, that's already mine. <laughs> that's what he's thinking. But But he quotes the word of God in Deuteronomy. And I find it fascinating that here Moses, who's with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, is being shown all of these same areas, pretty much. Follow me on this revelation. Two. So let's go to Deuteronomy 34 and 5. It says, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, According to the word of the Lord. So the word of the Lord is 100% confirmed every time it cannot return void. So according to the word of the Lord, Moses died. In verse 6, it says God buried him. I bet you probably 70% of the people in this room, except for the theologians who study this, they didn't know God buried Moses. But it was revealed to me, I've been saved 36 and a half years. I didn't know God buried Moses. Because nobody's talking about this, these are in time, amazing, uh, Holy Spirit inspired Word of God revelations for such a time as this. So God buries Moses, and it goes on to say, uh, "But no man knoweth of his sepulture unto this day." So here's Christ with Elijah, who was caught up in a chariot. We're going to go there, and never saw death. And here's Moses, who was buried by God, and nobody knows. Nobody watching this. Nobody studying this. There's nobody in the entire world that knows where God buried Moses. It's a secret. And what I began to understand and be revealed to me as I walked forward in this word and in this teaching was that I don't know everything. I will never know everything until I'm with Jesus, and that day is coming soon. And that I don't need to know everything. I don't need to know where Moses was died. You don't need to know where Moses died. God buried him in secret for a purpose. Amen. Some people, they need to know the answer to everything. But God says we only know in part. And we only prophesy in part till that which is perfect is coming. Then we will know everything. So, so we don't need to know everything down here. But the Holy Spirit can give us hidden nuggets like this. So, so, and, and take note of this in verse 7. It says, Moses was 120 years old, and his eyes was not dim, nor his natural force obeyed. In other words, he, he, he his eyes never wore out, like mine are. Moses fulfilled a purpose for God. Let me continue flowing. Nobody, what I want to emphasize on this is God buried Moses, and nobody knows... Where he was buried. So let me submit this to you as a what if. Are we sure Moses died? I I don't know. It's like the rapture. When is the rapture? We don't know. Nobody listening to this can go and show me the tomb of Moses. It's like Jesus' tomb in a way. See it's like types and shadows. Nobody can take me to Jesus' tombs that has bones in it. Because they don't exist. I'm I'm going to flow off of this because I don't want to speak too much on this. Because Moses and Elijah are going to serve an end time purpose. So let's go to Hebrews 9.27 just to confirm something real quick. I'm not saying Moses didn't die. I'm saying I don't know where he's buried. And I didn't know God buried him. And I'm pretty sure a majority of you didn't either. Do you know, let me just say this. Do you know, give a shout out, that a lot of us know a lot more than other people. and, And some people barely know nothing about what we're talking about. And God loves all of us equally. He's not impressed with what we know because what we know he he revealed to us. So let's remain humble in this, in this teaching. There are people, this will surprise you because it surprised me. I got written a, a, a private letter two days ago while making this message by someone in Nepal. They were praying because of what the earthquake had done there. And I was telling him, look, I can understand in California because uh, I made a video on Nepal when that happened. And I asked him, I said, are you Buddhist? Because in the video I made, it was a warning dream. Uh, most of the structures destroyed were Buddhist structures. And, and I believe that was for a purpose. And I was trying to tell him, the only reason California hasn't suffered what you've suffered is because of mercy and grace. But California will suffer the same type of earthquake Nepal did. It's just a matter of when. And so getting a message from Nepal, and long story short as he said, I used to be Buddhist, but now I'm Christian. And he's writing me from Nepal. And another country, Morocco. Morocco has sent in prayer requests through these uh, online churches. If you're in the chat room right now, someone's in there, they might not be saying nothing. They're from Morocco. So the, the the all I'm saying is the knowledge that we have, uh, you know, this is all could be brand new to them, and I just want to make sure I remain humble in my calling. So in Hebrews nine twenty seven, and it says, "And as it appointed unto man once to die." Did you hear that? God said, and remember, His word can't be wrong; He cannot lie. We just read that is appointed unto man once to die. Okay, well, then what about Elijah? He didn't die. And you see this battle, this conflict, began to come in my mind. And and what was revealed to me is Elijah will die a natural death. You know when? When he's sent back as the two witnesses in Jerusalem. Elijah is one of the two witnesses. That's when he's going to die. So many have debated on who the second witness is. Some think they're the witness, for real. They think they're the witness, There's, but they're not in Jerusalem. They're not a prophet. He's gonna. It says that these these two witnesses will die. So God didn't lie. Elijah will die. But what happened prior to that? He was caught up. He was snatched up. Behold, he comes. Riding in the sky. Isn't that a song about Elijah? That's, these are the days of Elijah just spoken to my mind. Riding on the clouds. Let me get back to my notes here. Elijah's going to die. He's one of the two witnesses. These are mighty in time mistress, uh, mysteries. It, it's like Enoch. Let, let, let's take Enoch for example. The Holy Spirit records in this great fashion. It says, And Enoch walked with God and he was no more. And he prophesied. I'm like, wait. In the book of Jude. I'm like, wait. What do you mean Enoch just was no more? And that he prophesied. If he prophesied, then why isn't it in this King James Bible? See, we don't know everything. He prophesied somewhere. All this other prophecy. He was the seventh from Adam. He was Methuselah's grandfather. And yet he's just, he's just no more. Well, I believe that mysteries are going to be revealed in this final season. We're going to learn just like I'm learning right now. Let's continue. Nobody knows much about Enoch they can claim to, but I'm here to tell you, we don't know everything. You know, in in all full disclosure, I've never read the book of Enoch. Never once. My mom told me not to. I obeyed my mom. I'm not going to side on whether it's from God or not. But I guarantee you one thing. If the Bible says Enoch prophesied, he prophesied. Am I right? Yes. If the Bible says Enoch prophesied, he prophesied. If he says he walked with God and was no more, it's just like Moses. God buried Moses and nobody knows where he buried him. These things, some of these things, we don't have to know. You can go down this big old rabbit hole and come up all kinds of twisted. Because you were searching for something God didn't intend you to know in the first place. While in this physical earthly body. Let me go on. Thank right. you, Jesus. This Holy Spirit all in this room. In that room. Zechariah 3. This is going to blow your mind. Zechariah is towards the end. we Daniel. Zechariah 3. Now, can I precipice this? Can I have a little time today?
5: Call the time you want.
3: I told you, the Holy Spirit going to blow your mind here. Is anybody even in the room? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it. You understand, my wife is running and God bless my wife. Um, on July 5th, 2012, here we go. <laughs> Can I testify? I'm I'm going to anyway. On July 5th, 2012, I had a, a dream. And it was when I was being called as a watchman. You hear me say, Minister Paul, watchman on the wall. That's not a boasting. It's saying that I've given my whole entire life up to sound the alarm for others, even at the cost of my own life. If you think that's something to brag on, then you don't understand the call of a watchman. You haven't counted the cost. It's a boldness, yes. My mom told me it'll have cost you everything, but it'll have been worth it. But like I said, I don't need to know everything. All I know is that God gives me this dream on July 5th, 2012. And in this dream... I, I, I can it's like I'm having the dream again right now. There's an angel to my left. It's on YouTube from, Ju- the date is July 5th, 2012. It's called An Angel in My Dream Shows Me Numbers, and they mean war. Please hear me out. There's an angel, and he's standing to my left, and keep, Zachari- keep your finger on Zachariah 3 or on your app, or, or just listen. And And he looks forward, and he says, what do you see? And there's this portal in the United States, and it's the number three. And I've shared this so many, I can't count how many times I've shared it, but you might be brand new to this. And I said, well, it's the Trinity, three days of Jonah, three days on the cross, the three-year end time ministry of Christ. I mean, I could go on and on about the number three and the angel, and he said, no, it means war. And instantly, whoosh, I was transported through this portal. This was a dream that I'll never forget. And I'm standing in the Middle East. That's all I know. And I'm looking at a portal again. And here's the angel. And he said, what do you see? And it's the number seven. And and I'm like, and the angel says, what, what does it mean? And he, the angel ain't even looking at me. He's just like this. Because he already knows, you know, what my answers are and everything. He has like some kind of godlike knowledge. We're not at each other like this, we're both looking like this, you with me? And I'm like, seven, my mom taught me that means the number of perfection. I don't know where people pulled up the the meanings to some of these numbers here. Five is the number of grace, I don't know how that is. I I don't know how seven is the number of completion, God created, that's what I'm thinking, God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day he rested, so it's the number of completion, it's the number of perfection. Jesus is walking through the book of Revelation uh, 1. He's got seven stars in his hands, and he's walking among seven candlesticks. And so, and and I said, perfection, completion. And this angel over here, he said, no, war. War in the United States, war in the Middle East. It took me two years to understand this. So if you don't get something right away, understand this. It took two years for me to understand that when I see three and seven, It's a sign as a watchman to warn, especially when I see it all day, every day, something's going to happen. Sound the alarm, Ezekiel 33. And so I sound this alarm when I see it. And that's just a sign God gave me. And off to the right in my dream is Satan. And Satan is trying to pump fear in me. Now he is looking at me. He could care less about me. He wants to send me to hell. He's pumping fear. He's pumping confusion. He's pumping doubt. And the angel knows it. And then the angel turns to him and he says, the Lord rebuke thee. And Satan's gone and I wake up. And I've been sharing this dream for almost almost four years now. You with me? 2016, Lord willing, will be four years. This is now three and a half years. So now, knowing that, let's go to uh, Zechariah 3. Because I told the Lord, this was in 2012, I need to see this in the Bible to make sure this dream didn't come from the devil or divination or whatever. So let's read. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at the right hand. This is my dream. As sure as I'm standing here before you, as sure as I've been called to the Lord, as sure as I love Jesus with all my heart and I'm filled with his spirit. This is my dream. The angel showed him. So he shows me Joshua standing before uh, the angel of the Lord over here and Satan standing on his right hand. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke that hath chosen. The Lord rebuke thee. Is exactly as my dream in Zechariah three. Now, what's happening in Zechariah three? This is Michael, the archangel, standing there with Joshua, who I, the life of Joshua, my wife and I have talked about this. We love the story of Joshua. I believe is always representative of Jesus, and he's rebuking the devil. You with me? But what else is happening here related to this message? Because it was a confirmation for me to continue on, study on, go on. So let's go to the next scripture here, and and that's going to be uh, Jude verse nine. Remember, Michael the archangel is rebuking. He saying, "The Lord rebuke thee." Let's go to Jude nine. And and this uh, may not seem like it's fitting, but this is all going to. Just tie it together like a knot. If I if I follow what the Holy Spirit, it says. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, when was that? This is Zechariah three. You see the hidden things that are being brought to light. Why? Because this is the final season. We're going to talk about the rapture of the church. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, did not bring a, him a railing accusation. He said, but the Lord rebuke thee. When did he say that? He said it in Zechariah 3. I can't. Matter of fact, I just caught this. The cross-reference is Zechariah 3 two. I didn't know that. So the Holy Spirit showed me that. So let's see what else the Holy Spirit showed me. Because I got I I I, I'm, I was in this process of trying to uh, to to get things to fit the word of God to get a fit in this picture I'd been created and taught of how the Bible works. Why are they disputing over the body of Moses? Because something spiritual was going on. Look, who buried Moses? God. Where is he buried? No one knows. So why is Satan all up in Gabriel's business wanting to know what he's going to do with the body of Moses? And who had the power? The Lord rebuked thee. Why Moses? Because he's going to play a role in these end times. I just wanted to show you how powerful this word of God is. Because I can guarantee you 90% of the people in the room. Didn't catch this. If they did, you're way past me on this. Go to uh, 2 Kings 2.11. Remember, this all started with us talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. One had died, was buried by God, we don't know where. The other one never died and was raptured up. What did I say two Kings two eleven? Yes. Yeah. And it reads And it came to pass as they still went on, this is Elijah Walking Right, and talked that beheld there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, they were split. And and, uh, he's walking with Elisha, and Elisha wants uh, his mantle. And just so you know, Elisha went on, a lot of people don't talk about this, Elisha, not Elijah, uh, he he went on to perform a thousand more miracles with a double portion anointing than Elijah did. And they both get to the same heaven. There's a double portion anointing in the Bible. So he, he goes up by a whirlwind into heaven. So we're talking about Moses who's buried somewhere that no one knows about. And uh, he's so loved by God that an archangel is protecting his body. And now we're talking about Elijah who didn't even have to die. Could you picture? You're walking with your friend and you're wanting the the anointing he has. And he's just like, okay, you got it because I'm out of here. And fires burst down out of heaven and lift him up into... That happened. If that didn't happen, this is a lie. He never died, and he's coming back. And he's coming back after the rapture. Let's go on. That's how close we are. So so how come it doesn't mention where Moses was buried? And how come Enoch, the seventh from Adam, is referenced so briefly? Because God is revealing amazing things. I've already just... Uh, covered most of this stuff in my notes. So 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 remember how I talked about it said the dead in Christ will rise? Let's go down to uh John three sixteen. Because what what I want to uh what I want to talk about here is that we are spirit beings. Even this morning when I woke up, the very first thing I woke up to it says you passed from death to life. You're a new creature born again. You know, uh, death no longer has dominion over you. You will never die. Do you do you understand that? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've been born again and your name is written in his book of life. You will never die. Do you get that? You will never die. You're you're going to live somewhere and I, I submit to you as a teaching today, it's either heaven or hell. So John 3.16, did you put that in there? Yes. And I'm just going to quote it. It says, for God so loved the world. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die so that we could have eternal life. Is that not what it says? For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So I just proved to you, under the new covenant of Jesus Christ, that we have eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So now I want you to picture this when we're talking about the dead and Christ rising up. Can, can, can our spirits, you understand we're spirits, right? If not, we're going to go to some more scriptures. Matter of fact, let's go to one more scripture for time's sake. Romans 6.23. I got it right here. It says, for the wages of sin is death. So so the, the penalty and cost of sin is death. But listen, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, confirming in the book of Romans written by the Apostle Paul that we're eternal beings. So I want you to picture this with me. I want you to get a mental picture of this as we talk about the rapture. The dead in Christ are going to rise. Okay, so let's say everybody that went before me is just laying in the grave right there. Well then, where is their spirits? people don't want to hear this kind of stuff. Where are their spirits just laying in there in the dirt they've been or uh they're just having all these thoughts. No because the Bible says to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. so when you die, your spirit is instantly with the Lord. How can you prove this, Minister Paul? You sound crazy. This is a cult because Elijah. And Moses were with Jesus as a witness on the Mount of Transfiguration. They weren't. They weren't dead. They were with Christ, and Peter bore witness to this. And we're going to talk about this. So, at me as a spirit being, I can't lie in the in the dirt. Or, or what about anybody here? Know anybody been cremated, burned up into little pieces of rocks and ash? That's what's that's not laying in the dirt. It's been cast into the ocean or or wherever these ashes are buried. Some people think that's their body but but without getting too too deep and gross on you and stuff, you know a body decomposes down into nothing, nothing but worm food so So Christ didn't give you eternal life. To lay in the dirt as worm food, and he gave this example of of proving this why there's 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 him and Moses for just for two examples you can't even find their bones. we're talking about resurrected life, we're talking about holy spirit filled eternal life so so what i what I was able to reconcile with the holy Word of God is it can either be talking of one or two things. Either your soul is in, in in the ground, your soul, because we're spirit and soul, or the Apostle Paul, and I don't know the full answer to this, the Apostle Paul was comforting the people he was writing to that don't worry about the ones you've lost in this battle, that have went before you, because they're going to rise with us. Matter of fact, they went before us. So I submit to you the dead in Christ is either one of two things. Those who have went before us or souls. But I, I'm having a hard time, and I'm up here admitting that I don't know everything. I'm having a hard time picturing a soul in the dirt. Well, for one thing, there's a lot of people ain't even buried in the dirt. And some of us ain't going to die at all. Let, let's go on. I want you to show how I want you to go study this for yourself who are the dead in Christ? If the Bible says we passed from life from death unto life and, and and that we've been given eternal life, I want you to wrap your mind around how deep this is and why so many people are confused. If we've been given eternal life, according to Romans six and john three sixteen that we will never die. That were new creatures in Christ Jesus, that were eternal, then how could we be dead in Christ? It says the dead in Christ will rise first. I believe what the Apostle Paul was doing was comforting the group he was with. That those who went before you, we will be with them again. Thank you, Jesus. When the trump blows, when Jesus said it's a wrap, we'll be with them again. And the uh, the only proof I could submit to you here is Elijah and Moses are with Jesus. One of them raptured up. This is what the Holy Spirit showed me. The other one died a physical death that no one knows about this great mystery God's keeping from us. Both of them are with Jesus. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. So are they dead in Christ? You do a study on that. That's for a later time. Let's continue. I'm not saying there ain't no dead in Christ, because the Bible says there are. I'm asking you, well, what are they? Do you believe... Because a lot, the reason why I'm just emphasizing this is because a lot of people believe, and I know there's going to be a lot of criticism and misunderstanding in this. A lot of people believe that you don't instantly go to heaven. That's why I'm stressing this. You don't instantly go to heaven. You lay in the dirt till ever Christ decides to uh, have mercy on you and, and blow the trump and we're caught up together with him in the clouds. First Thessalonians four said that we're going to go back to you. Until then, you're just laying somewhere. Is that eternal life in Christ Jesus? No. To just be laying somewhere? Was Elijah just laying somewhere? Oh, come on, Holy Spirit. Was Moses just laying somewhere? No, he was with Jesus. And Peter bore witness of it. And the Holy Spirit bore witness of it. And it's written in the Bible. Let's go on. Let's get off that. We're going to live somewhere forever. If we don't make the rapture, we're going to be somewhere.
5: In our mansion.
3: That's right. Because we've been given eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For God so loved the world. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to have eternal life. So, so much for the just laying somewhere in the ground waiting on Jesus theory. It don't it don't add up with the word of God. 2 Corinthians 5. making good time here. I got more scriptures. I got all kinds of things to talk about. The internet don't have enough bandwidth for the kind of stuff I want to talk about. Second second excuse. Second Corinthians five. Now watch this. Holy Spirit revealed to us the true meaning of this. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 5, Amplified Greek. This is so important to this teaching that I want you to fully grasp what's being said here. The original Greek meaning of these words. Listen. For we know that if the tent, this, everybody go like this. That's your flesh. That's not your spirit, that's your flesh. For we know that if the tent, which is our earthly home, is destroyed, amplified says dissolved, is dissolved, however way it may be, right?
6: Right.
3: We have from God a building a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand what that means? That this flesh could die right now. We have an eternal, like she said, a mansion in heaven. Let me continue here a little bit. Here indeed, in this present body, we sigh and groan inwardly because we yearn to be clothed over. We yearn to put on our celestial body like a garment to be fitted out with our heavenly dwelling, so that by putting it on, we may not be found naked without a body. In other words, we're spirits, and this is flesh. That's why Moses was able to uh, show up with Elijah. They weren't in the dirt. The devil is a lie. That's why. Ooh, this just hit me. (laughs) I love this. That's why Satan wanted the body of Moses, so he could unravel this mystery forever, and so it couldn't be recorded. He said he could, so he could show where the body of Moses was. It wouldn't be a mystery anymore. We wouldn't be having this sermon. But God, everybody said God sent an angel. God will send an angel. God send an angel now to those who need ears to hear and eyes to see of what season we're in. Verse 4. For while we are still in this tent, we groan under the burden inside deeply. We are weighed down. Not that we want to put off the body, the clothing of the spirit. It, It calls this the clothing of the spirit. Not that we want to die but rather that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal, our dying body, may be swallowed up by life after the resurrection. Now he who has fashioned us, that's Jesus, preparing and making us fit for this very thing is God who also has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee and fulfillment of his promise So then we are always full of good and hopeful and confident courage. We know that while we are at home in this body, in the flesh, we are abroad from the home with the Lord that has promised us. And then it says what most people quote, for we walk by faith and not by sight. But what the Apostle Paul is writing here to the city of Corinth is people are dying they're your brothers and sisters in the Lord, they're promised eternal life. What I want you to understand is their flesh is dying, but their spirit was promised to be with the Lord. And so when they go before you, they're with the Lord. And that's the promise of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
6: Thank you, Jesus.
3: So now let's talk about the rapture. Because Elijah didn't face none of that. And neither did Enoch. So it's in the Bible. Let's go to First Corinthians four 13, thirteen eighteen. Oh, I got a lot of notes on huh, So I'm gonna read this. What did I say? Are you sure it's not
6: Thessalonians? First
3: Thessalonians four thirteen through eighteen. Let me get a sip of water. I'm telling you the fire of God is on this. Making good time. I printed this out of the Greek. Better understanding. It's titled 1 uh, Thessalonians 4 13 through 18 is titled For Those Who Died in Christ. Boom. Three days into this message, the Holy Spirit answered, This is who the dead in Christ are. <laughs> For those who died in Christ. That's the title of the chapter. Now we do not want you to be uninformed, believers. You can go read it in the King James going to say the same thing. I, I encourage you to. About those who are asleep, it says in death, so that you will not grieve for them. In other words, I don't want you mourning like my mom, my brother, U.S. Marine Corps, gone. He, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't want me grieving. We are to have peace and love and joy. This is the very fruit and nature of God that I was praying for this morning. Lord Jesus, fill us with peace fill us with joy, fill us with faith, fill us with love, fill us with patience. You know what I was saying? Fill us with you, because that's His Spirit. He didn't want us grieving or mourning, because He wanted us to know they went before us, and God promised them eternal life. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, as in fact he did, even so God, in the same way, by raising them from the dead, will bring them with Him. Those believers who have fallen asleep in Jesus, those those dead in Christ, will be with Jesus. And some people are like, "Well, when or what? They're with Jesus now. How do you, how do you know this? How can you say this? How can you speak this about? Because Elijah's with Jesus." And Moses is with Jesus, and it says that he's surround. We're sur- as we're running this race with endurance, keeping our eye on the prize. It says we're sur- we're uh, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Some people think they're angels. Angels, I, I can Angels aren't bearing witness in here. People are. People. Let bear- me go. For we say this to you by the Lord's own word, that we who are still alive and remain. So there's going to be a point in time. While while we are living uh, the, at the coming of the Lord, will in no way proceed in, into his presence those believers who have fallen asleep in death. For the Lord, here's the rapture, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the shout of a command and with the voice of the archangel, who's Michael, right? Who was, who was protecting Moses' body? Come on, somebody. With the blast of the trumpet of God and the dead the Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain on the earth will simultaneously at the same time. Be caught up. Now do you can you picture uh well, first of all, bones disintegrate. So our, our I want you to picture this. Did God give us eternal life to be later? cremated as as ashes, is this ashes rising up? No, the Bible says ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Man, this is so real to me. Then we who are alive and remain on earth will be caught up, And, and, and in the Amplified, did you know it says raptured? Together with them, the resurrected ones, see they've already been resurrected. Were they resurrected? Or are they being resurrected now? We can only go by, we're eternal beings. They ain't laying in the dirt. To meet the Lord in the air. Now, this is something I want you to pay close attention to for these people who think they know everything. During the Harpozo, the rapture, the removal, what did I call it? The removal of the church from earth. The body of Christ meets Jesus in the air. Remember that. Because in the second coming, that a lot of people are saying there is no rapture, it's a second coming. It's not happening in the air and in the clouds. Jesus is stepping foot down in Jerusalem in the same location that he went up in. That's how powerful he is. Why you stand here gazing up where Jesus went in the same fashion that he rose up so shall he also come back? But in this, right here, in this particular verse that nobody can reconcile as being false, we are in the clouds with Jesus at a trumpet. Where's my trumpet? And the second coming, which is a separate event, Jesus is stepping foot on earth, right down where he left from. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And and who was there in Jerusalem? Who's going to be the two witnesses? I submit to you, Elijah is one of them. He's going to die and lay there three days. But here's the thing. What's going to die? His flesh. This is deep. Spirits can't die. Let's just catch that. And so will we always be with the Lord. And here's the key of 18 that people aren't really doing enough of. Therefore, comfort and encourage one another with these words. It says, concerning our reunion with believers who have died. And it's like I was telling my wife today. There's coming a day where not only will we be reunited with our loved ones, but Jesus too. I'll see my mom again. I'll see my brother again. My wife will see her mom again. My wife will see her brother again, and we'll all be with Jesus. And it's going to happen in the clouds. That's what the Word of God says. Let's go on. Let's nail down this rapture thing, because I ain't leaving no loose strings. Zechariah 14.4. We don't have to go there. Acts 1, 9, and 12. Joel 3 and 1. All of these clearly show a snatching away or harpozo that happens, listen to me. It happens prior to the second coming. This harpozo means in a strong 726. Harpozo means seized by force, snatched up suddenly. Like someone seizing a bounty or a prize. Someone just seizing their prize. Why do you think Jesus died? Why do you think God sent Jesus? For he loved us. And all of this happens provable by the Holy Word of God. I'm going to give you the scriptures again. Zechariah 14, Acts 1, 9-12, and Joel 3-1. This all happens before Jesus sets foot back on earth. It's a separate event. People don't want to talk about it, but it's in the Bible. We are the prize. We are the prize that Jesus gets to snatch up. He he died for us. You know why? So we could live. I submit to you, we have eternal lives. Matthew eleven, twelve this is what I did. Was I counted how many times that harpozo is mentioned or snatched up, seized up. Sneezed up or snatched up is mentioned in the Bible. and It's actually mentioned in the entire Bible 13 times that somehow people who don't believe in a rapture just skip over. It's in, uh, I'm going to give you some scriptures. It's in Matthew 11, verse 12, uh, 13 and 9. It's mentioned in the Gospel of John four times. John 6 and 15. Let me read this John 6 and 15 to you so you can get an idea of being taken by force. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. I'll read Acts 8.39 for you. And they were come up out of the water. Watch this. The spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. The word rapturing in the Bible, yeah, but Philip was just caught up in a way. Elijah was just rode up in a chariot. Stephen said he, he didn't even have to taste death. His last words, forgive him father, what they don't know what they do. All of these people caught up. Enoch, walking with God, no more, caught up. There's a biblical foundation to people being caught up and snatched away. And I'm giving you scriptural examples. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. 2 Corinthians 12 and 2. This is the Apostle Paul. I knew a man in Christ, notice in Christ, above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, because he was a spirit. <laughs> Such as one was caught up to the third heaven. And why do you mention this? Because he was rapozoed. That's what caught up means. He was. Rapozo's into the third heaven, and what was he? What was he shown? He was shown things that he 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 can't explain. Because you know why he didn't need to know everything, and when he thought he needed to know everything, God put a thorn in his side, and when he asked God remove this thorn three times. He said no because it keeps you humble. My grace is sufficient for thee, because your strength is made perfect in my. In, your, how they go? Strength is made perfect in your weakness. God's strength is made perfect in in our weakness. Here's another one. It's mentioned in uh, Second Thessalonians. It's mentioned in Jude. Caught up. Revelation 12 and 5. Now watch this. And she brought forth the man child. This is Jesus. Who is it to rule all nations with the rod of iron? That can only be Jesus. And her child was caught up unto God. This is where they get the snatching. This is where they get the catching. This is where they get the, this term is harpozo. It's in the Greek. Do you have an entirely Bible written in Greek? I can't read Greek. I, I wish I could read and understand Greek. I've always wished I'd take a Greek class because I assure you what I could read would be different than this. It would say they were snatched up. Here's another reference. So it's mentioned thirteen times. So now let's go to Revelation three and three eleven. Talking about being caught up with Jesus in the clouds before the second coming. Revelation three eleven says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. And then it, uh, in Revelation four and one, John the Revelator is recording and he said, And after this I looked up. After Revelation one, two and three. He looked up and beheld a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was it, as were of a trumpet, talking with me. And he said, Come up hither. Come up here. Come up here. And I will show you these things which, underline this, must be hereafter. So, what I'm about to show you is going to happen after the rapture. I'm catching you up. Picture this, here's John the Revelation, come up here, boom, there he is in heaven. He's being shown what's going to happen after the catching up, after the rapture. All of these things in Revelation 6 and 7 and 8 and 9, the, the church is never mentioned again. Nobody will talk about this. The seals, the vials, there's seven seals, seven vials, seven trumpets, three sets of seven. None of this is for Christ's beloved Christ's bride, Christ's faithful church. It's not for him. Christ does not do that. Christ doesn't beat and rain down wrath, because that's what this is, wrath, on the church. And how can I prove this? The church is never mentioned again after Revelation 4. Did you know that? You know why? It's not here. Read the Bible. Everything shown after this harpozo of Revelation 4, 4, one this catching up, this seizing away, you will not find the faithful church mentioned again. It's gone. You won't find it anywhere. Seals and vials and trumpets are being poured out. Listen, this is what the Holy Spirit gave me. This is punishment. After Revelation 4, is punishment. And Jesus does not punish his bride. I mean, just think about Jesus coming up punching you right in the face. God loved me so much that I died for you. Now here I am, boom, punch you in the face. Does that even make sense? He's the bridegroom. We're the bride. We're eagerly awaiting his appearance in the sky. It's going to happen when? When you see all these things, look up. I'm seeing all the things and I'm looking up. He says, we escape this. He says, we are kept from it. The Word of God says, we escape these things that happen after Revelation 4. And the book of Luke says, we are kept from it. Luke 21, 36. It says, watch ye, oh, we're going to the Word of God. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye might be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Pray that you can be accounted worthy to be raptured up and stand for Jesus. Now why would the Holy Spirit have a man put pen to paper and ask you to pray to something that he won't keep? Because remember how we started this? God can't lie. So God cannot tell you to pray for something that you can't have. God is not like man. God is not mean. God is not torturing us. God doesn't torture his bride. He sent Jesus to die for us. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh and died for us to save us from sin and gave us eternal life. And we are going to be caught up with him. We are not going to be rained down with vials and sores and all that. We're going to escape it. And we're to pray to escape it. Matter of fact, we're to watch for it. We're to take heed and we're to pray for it. Woo,
5: hallelujah.
3: No one can reconcile that with no rapture, because what are you praying for? What are you watching for? Woo-hoo. Revelation three ten, because thou hast kept. I'm almost done here. Because thou has kept the word of my patience. This is Jesus talking to the church. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Jesus Christ is not going to come try you. He's going to keep you from it. How can that be any confusing at all? There's no confusion in that. Are you confused by that? Let me read it again. Jesus talking, Revelation 3.10. And then I'll read 3.11. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. Now look at it. An entrance, which is that door. Behold, I set before you an open door that no man can shut. This entrance will be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb Hallelujah. of God. That sounds to me like we are caught up out of here. Look, I'm going to say the time. Someone was talking about the time all the time. Second Peter, we're going to do one more scripture. Second Peter 1, 12 through 18. It's important that I put these scriptures in. hoo! I could talk about this all day. I said 2 Peter twelve, one. I did that. I've done this every time. Wherefore I will not. Let's go to the word of God. Wherefore I will not be negligent. To put you always in remembrance. Of these things. Though you know them. In other words. You may already know this. But I'm remind you this. That it can be established in the present truth. Peter is about to bear witness to everything that we're we're discussing here. Thirteen. Yes, I think it meet. As long as I am in this tabernacle, as long as I'm in the flesh, catch this. To stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Fourteen knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle. In other words, I'm going to lose this flesh. Come on, Jesus. Even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me, where did he show him? Where did Jesus Christ show Peter that he would lose his flesh? On the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah and Moses. Hallelujah, can you see this? That's where. Moreover, Peter's bear witness here. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Peter saying, after I die, I want you to still remember what I'm bearing witness to here. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Go Google something on the internet having anything to do with the rapture and you're going to find a bunch of cunningly devised fables. I tried it myself. went straight to Jesus for this. When we made known unto you the power of, and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Where was Peter eyewitnesses of his majesty? Mount of Transfiguration. And every time after that, that, that Jesus remained on earth. They were walking in his majesty. We're going to be with his majesty. Yeah. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. He's talking about Jesus here. When there came such a voice to him I'm about ready to, to just put a nail in this thing. The Holy Spirit is, not me. When there came such a voice to him from the the excellent glory, quote, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him on the holy mountain. That's what God said the mountain when Peter was with Jesus. Peter's bearing witness of everything I just said, because everything I just said was given to me by the Holy Spirit. And I'm not up here to lie. My prayer before I began this service was, look, don't let me say anything that's not right. I, I can find no confusion in what the Holy Spirit just showed me, that we're not here. When the vials are poured out, some people believe that we are in the sixth seal. That's the deception. Let me let me close in this, and we're we'll gonna pray. This, this is the deception. Now I'm gonna step into my office of the prophetic right now. This is the deception that is falling upon the church. So we're not gonna condemn anybody. We're we'll gonna pray for them. This is a praying ministry. This is a loving ministry.
5: Their
3: eyes are open. open their eyes, Lord, to the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If you don't know the truth, you ain't free. Come in, tune in Wednesday. We're going to talk about offense and unforgiveness. Because gee, that's why I'm on these deliverance messages. Jesus Christ wants you free, because he's coming again. That's why these messages are pouring out of me like this, because he's coming again. He does not want you deceived, and to think we're in the sixth seal. Because if we're in the sixth seal, then we all miss the rapture. Because the church ain't here in the sixth seal, that's why. Because the sixth seal is punishment. None of this says anything about us being punished by God. It says, the wrath of God is on the sons of disobedience. You've fallen and fell in front of someone today who happens to know what he's talking about. The wrath of God is on the sons of disobedience. But we are not pulling back. We are not disobedient. We are obedient to God. We're the beloved. We're the beloved of the Lord. We're the faithful church. We're here serving and singing and loving Jesus Christ because he's coming again. He's at the door and we ain't going to be here to be beat up we got to pray for those deceived that think they are. Now listen, we're going to talk about this. The President of the United States of America, Obama, and I say that because not everybody in the chat room or who will hear this is from the United States, has put it upon himself to give a speech tonight. I saw a, a message this morning on the the Internet news. And it said in a rare primetime speech from the Oval Office. He's going to give a speech tonight at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. And the Holy Spirit revealed to me prophetically that something is changing in this world. We're in the last season of the church. We're approaching Revelation 4.1. And then we're with Christ. Comfort one another. Edify encourage each other that we're about ready to escape. Why? Because the prayers for us escaping what is coming upon this world have been heard and are being answered. Something's going to change in President Obama when he gives his speech tonight. He's going to speak with a new boldness. He's going to speak with a new authority. This speech and all these terror things you see in attacking, they've taken God by surprise. They were This speech that is going to be given tonight, prime time from the Oval Office, is a speech of deception. He's going to claim he can, I don't know the speech, but the Holy Spirit was revealed to me. He's going to claim that he's a peacemaker. He's going to proclaim that he can protect you. He's going to claim he has a solution. He's going to claim, he, he won't, here's one thing. He won't call him ISIS. ISIS. Take everything on the fact that he will not refer to them as ISIS. He will refer to them as ISIL in this speech. He's going to promise you protection. But he, as a man, right now, more than ever, than any other time in our entire lives, in the entire history of the church, should we pay any attention to anything coming out of the mouths of world leaders, Because a world leader is going to rise up, and that's the Antichrist. Because Christ already rose up. This is a fake imposter that's going to be the Antichrist. He's not Christ. And he's not for us. So if you happen to watch this speech, be careful you don't fall into the deception of any world leader. And I'm saying any world leader. I'm not putting anybody on blast. That says they can protect you from what's coming. Because that's not recorded in the Bible. That's not recorded in here. He will speak with a new boldness. He will speak with a new authority. He will take on a new tone. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, He will take on a new tone. And what that tells me, Jesus Christ said, What shall be the signs of thy coming? And then he said, took a look around and he gave all these signs. I'm here to profess to you in real time that all the signs are happening right now. Levant includes Israel. That's why these people in politics won't say ISIS, but ISIL. It's their code word for including Israel. Did you know that? Well, now you do. I have a feeling if the Lord wills it for us to have more time and only he can decide when that time is. It will only be through grace and mercy that we have more time. That we are going to retouch on this message again. And the Holy Spirit is going to reveal even more. The longer we are down here waiting to be caught up in the clouds, the more will be revealed to us. Wow. Side of scripture. Okay, Joel 2, Acts 2, outpouring outpouring of the spirit of god for dreams and visions do you know in the last 2 weeks i've had 3 3 dreams of my family and they were all rapture dreams and tribulation dreams this is that peter said this is that that the prophet Joel spoke of. Men and women are going to have dreams and visions, and they shall prophesy, and it's happening right now in front of you along with all the other birth pains Jesus talked about, and we're about ready to be caught up into the air with Jesus and the loved ones that went before us. They're already up there, they ain't in the ground, they ain't in the dirt. they're with Jesus. To be absent with the bodies, be present with the Lord. Lord Jesus, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. We pray that you come and snatch us away out of this evil world. We pray that we can be counted worthy to escape what's coming. We pray for eyes to be opened. Let's, uh, I want to show you something. I'll stand up here for two hours talking, so we're going to move on. I have a feeling I'll be touching on this message again with an even deeper revelation. This was just three days of committing myself to fasting, prayer, and the word of God. This is what God can do to you in just three days. This stuff used to take dozens of years to understand, but there's a quickening. And why is that quickening? Because as the birth pain hit, boom, seven point one East Indian. Boom this. Boom that boom that Jesus said, the birth pain. Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, so he's quickening his bride, he's quickening his bride, he's quickening his bride. bride. Birth pangs, birth pangs, birth pangs, quickening, quickening, quickening. Hallelujah! And it, why, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. Why would Jesus quicken us to have all of this sudden knowledge and sudden dreams and sudden visions if we were just going to stay down here for the next seven years? Do you have an answer to that? Because Stones weighing six pounds or whatever it is are falling on people. They're cr- they're praying in the tri- the great tribulation that rocks would fall on them. So why is he quickening us to be encouraged to be escaping this, to be kept from it? Because because the no rapture theory is a lie from Satan. That's why. We're gonna take up our offering. We haven't done this in a couple of days. I've been skipping it. I want to show you something. My 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 wife made. We're going to Oregon. Can you help me with some facts here? Brother James is flying from Colorado. This Jesus Matters movement is amazing to me. I was thinking about it today. I'm like, the Jesus Matters movement lives on, and not only that, it's it's gotten stronger. We're gonna go give a we're gonna give a a live stream sermon just like that. We're gonna have an altar call in Medford, Oregon. Why Medford, Oregon? Because that's where God said to go. And we're gonna take up these bags we've been giving them out when were we were out yesterday. Yes. Was it just yesterday? Handing these out. We got dog food. We have a little <laughs> we have uh, sweaters for the dogs. I don't know what you call. Them. If they have little dogs that are cold and freezing, we bring the dog sweaters and we feed the dogs. Remember the Jesus jump drives? We have these Jesus Matters jump drives. These are going out with us on these jump drives. They're free. This is the Jesus Matters movement. There's several testimonies and prayers and songs from all around the world, from nations I mentioned, and and uh, Maine and Wisconsin and Ohio and Oklahoma and Texas and. And in uh, uh, Oregon and or Washington, people in prayers and testimonies and songs from all over the world. They're on these jump drives, and these are going to be put in the hands with with Bible tracts of homeless people to give them hope, because there are people too. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And and then my wife put together every single one of these bags, dozens of these bags sunglasses
6: several dozen. <laughs> and tell me what's in here
3: for Tarleton. so the sanitary bag yeah. You put these together chapstick tell me tell me toothpaste what's in.
5: um shampoo soap uh, nail clippers
3: wet wipes
5: chapstick a
3: sanitary care and cleaning kit look this, we ain't selling these mm-hmm. this ain't like sending 60 dollars now within the next 10 minutes these ain't for sale
5: and these the are bags. blessing
3: bags of love. You can't buy these. Don't say you want to buy one of these. These are free. And to qualify, you can't have a roof over your head. This is deep. And we're taking this all the way to Oregon. Brother James, if you're a listener, you hear this lately. Brother James coming with his blankets.
6: Hats, gloves. Hats, gloves. And
3: socks. And remember I told you I applied at a just full to the brim of food, hand warmers. And the thing about the the these backpacks is that they can just use they can keep it. It's not a disposable bag. God told us to do this and we're doing it. What has God told you to obey that you're not obeying? There's blessings in obedience. Quote a scripture, Paul. Deuteronomy 28, uh 1 through 14, all blessings. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Blessed when you come, blessed when you go. Bless your storehouse. There's blessings in obedience. We're doing this in obedience. These are going out to the homeless. We could use your help. If you want to give an offering, there's several different ways. We're asking for your help on that. Go to my website. If you need prayer, if you need special in-time prayer, there's a lot of people suffering right now. These homeless people are suffering, first of all.
5: And we have several people, so... Sister Barbara, we still want to be praying for her. We were just, we were just, we were just praying just for Sister
3: Barbara last Molly. night. What Molly, Molly, uh, Oregon. That's right. Without going into a lot of details, lift up Molly in your prayer. She's in Oregon, in the area where we're going. She's on a ventilator, uh, in the home, and she's caught in a pneumonia. Molly is on my heart. I man, me start crying. I know. <laughs> Pray for Molly. We love you, Molly. If you can hear me, we're praying for you. We're believing. It's okay, babe. We're believing for a miracle for you. She's caught in pneumonia. And we have, listen, through the power and authority of Jesus Christ, we're not just up here preaching. We're believing and in, in receiving miracles. Molly. We're praying for your healing. We're standing in the gap for you. We're making up the hedge for you. Jesus Christ loves you so much, and He knows how much you love Him. And He's comforting you. He's with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Pray for Molly. Pray for uh, the homeless. Pray for Sister Barbara. Man, we watched her update Pray yesterday. Those
5: who are in a marriage that...
3: Pray for marriages. Pray for reconciliation. Pray for restoration. Anything else? Send in your prayer requests. We pour over them. We pour our hearts into them. You know, if you're in the body of Christ, you were made to pray. If you can't think of people to pray for, to pray for some of the people we just mentioned. I get so many emails of people, their spouses left them. Number one prayer request, they're going through a divorce. Number two prayer request, Sickness and death of a loved one.
5: Unsaved family members?
3: Uh, Unsaved family members. And include me in that prayer. Anyway, look, this is a joyful miss. (laughs) You know, you have anything to say, babe? Did we close in prayer? Any other? You can sit. here's the thing. I've been getting prayer requests for four years now since I made myself public on YouTube. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and neither are you, and that's why you're here. We can come together and pray. God will move mountains if we pray in faith. God will strike that ammonia as far as the east is to the west. He will smite it with his right arm of authority through the stripes he shed on his cross. That pneumonia will flee if we come together and pray in agreement. When we go to Medford, Oregon with these bags, it ain't just to give away blessing bags. We're going to have an altar call. We're going to live stream on December 12th through 13th. Brother James is going to be there with me. And you know who's the most important person? The guest of honor is Jesus Christ who's going to show up in the midst of us. We're going to have an altar call. Backslidden, uh, rededication, salvation, healing. We ain't going to put no limit on what God's going to do in Oregon. We're going up there for a reason. I may be driving in the snow. It does not matter. I'm going to go where Jesus says to go. And He's, you know why? He's going, to, he's going to be there in our presence. If you know anybody in the Medford, Oregon area, this weekend, December, uh, Friday is the 11th, and the 12th is the service, and the 13th, that they're homeless they, or they need a touch from God. They need some prayer. You send them. Uh, this Wednesday, we're going to talk about offense and unforgiveness, so we have another service before I go. Did I hit everything? Mm-hmm. Something about that Molly. Every time I hear that name. Mm-hmm. Well,
5: we're one body, and we just Never need to met come her. together and pray together and pray for each other.
3: Every single prayer in here is equal to God, you know. And that's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't play favorites, you know. Your need is as great. The, the homeless prayer holds as much weight as a, a preacher been preaching his whole life. They all go to the same Jesus.
5: Pray for family members that are deceived.
3: This is true. Deception is raining down on this world. Not everything is as it is seen. Now more than ever, we need to pray that their eyes be opened. Pray for pray for the lost, and, and not just here in California or Oregon or wherever you may be, but in the world, Nepal, India. Anybody here ever prayed for India? Anybody here ever prayed in the in the Middle East, Christians being beheaded? We pray for. The world. Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world. Not America. Jesus Christ didn't die for the United States of America. He died for the world. So we prayed for the world. I want to close with this. Be encouraged. Not much longer. Jesus Christ promised. That he will keep you. He won't put on more on you than you can bear. He will never leave you or forsake you. And to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. And behold, I'm coming quickly, he said. And to comfort one another with these words. So let's pray for comfort. Anybody ever pray for comfort? Gail's family has a family member. You want to pray? I'm saying this boldly. And I'm going to say who. She has an ill family member who's been, they try to put a number... On her life. We don't believe that. So pray for my wife. Every day I pray for my wife. And if it be God's will that people come and people go. We could pray that they're comforted. And they're not in any pain. As someone. My wife was with me when we held my mom's hand. When she went to be with the Lord. There was no pain in that room. amen. amen. There was comfort in that room. Jesus was in that room. So we could pray God's will, we could pray for peace, we could pray for comfort. Let's close in prayer. You want to close in prayer, babe? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this gathering together. Thank you for this time. Thank you for consecrating us and separating us from this world. Thank you for your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. Thank you for all our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We pray for the persecuted church. We pray for the prayer requests that have come forward as one. We pray that you return and take us away. We pray that while we're here, you strengthen us. We pray that you give us strength to endure. We pray for each other, James to have safe travel and mercies here to this house. We pray for everybody in the chat room that they can receive and be blessed beyond measure according to your perfect will. We pray for provision. We pray for protection. We pray against deception. We pray for We pray a prayer covering over everybody that's attached to your ministry here in any way. A prayer covering, we pray Psalm 91. We pray for America. Most importantly, we pray your will be done in our lives because it's perfect. You are the perfect one. You are the Alpha. You are the Omega. You are the beginning. And you are the ending. Even so, come Lord Jesus.
5: Amen. Mm-hmm. Lord, we thank you for this gathering today, and we thank you for those in the room and those that are listening to this afterwards, and we, we thank you for the love and the outpouring and the blessings, and we stand in agreement with each other for our prayers, Lord. We thank you for your blessings on our life, in Jesus' name, amen.
3: Amen. I'm in agreement with that. Thank you everybody for coming out. You know, we love doing these. I love seeing the comments. I'm gonna close out the uh, software here and read every single comment there is. And if it's a prayer request, I'm gonna come into agreement with your prayer. Look, we serve a big God.
0: My husband was doing some research um, on the internet, and he came across um, a video. a 15 year old Israeli boy who had a near-death experience Um, and he felt um, his soul um, lifting up um, above him and as he looked down he saw himself laying on the bed on his sick bed and he was taken up into um, the lower part of heaven and he was shown things in the lower part of heaven and also in um, parts of hell and that's not the part that I want to focus on I want to focus on what he saw um, regarding the end times and so I will provide a uh, link to the full video of this Israeli boy being interviewed by a, um, a rabbi in Israel and um, He's speaking in front of Orthodox Jews about his um, experience and what was revealed to him during this near-death experience and so what I'm going to um, read to you was taken directly off of the video, um, which he spoke of, and he speaks in Hebrew in the video, but they give English subtitles. So at the around the 28 minute mark of this video, if you'd like to see it for yourself, and I'll include that link, this is what uh, was revealed to this uh, young Israeli boy. He said that he was shown things that were going to happen in the world during the end times. And he said um, he understood that Gula, which in in Hebrew means redemption or deliverance, and the revelation of the Mashiach, which is the Messiah, is going to happen very soon. He said it is imminent. He said um, that this redemption is really coming. He said like in the coming months, it's coming very soon, he said. And then he continued um, to say that very bad things are going to happen um, during this time. And if we would all repent, then the bad things that are going to happen during this redemption um, may not happen. And this is what was revealed to him when he had this outer body experience during his uh, near death. He said, There's going to be a very big war, and he said, The whole world will be involved. He said all the Goyim and all the Arabs will come against the nation of Israel. Goyim um, are the Gentiles. And he said the person who will start the war will be somebody named Gog. And then he was revealed that Gog is Obama. He said Obama will start the Gog and Magog war. And he will bring his whole army. He said he will start the war here and will fight against Israel. He said at first the whole world will want the nation of Israel, and he said they're specifically wanting Jerusalem. And he said everyone's going to be fighting each other at first before uh, they come against Israel um, because they're all fighting for Jerusalem. And he said all these bad things are going to take place um, in in two weeks, meaning in a two-week period. Not two weeks from now, but in a two-week period. And he said, in those two weeks, he said, more than a few million people would die. And he said, the only thing that will save people is if they repent. And he said, if a person learns Torah or the law and performs acts of kindness, that will save him from this thing. Um, He said, at first it will be a war between soldiers. He says, but then everyone is going to unite and, and they will all fight against the nation of Israel. And he said, the IDF will manage to keep um, uh, these nations um, at bay for two days. And um, he said, then everyone will kill us, meaning the Israelis, and we won't have anyone to rely on except for the Holy One of Israel. he said, Iran will join Obama, uh, the whole UN, Russia, South Korea. He said, 70 nations will um, gather together and they will all fight against Israel and then the rabbi asked him well where is isis and all of this and he said the isis um will kidnap people um the israeli people and they will torture them just like they did um galad uh, Shalit and um then he was shown um something that was uh which was really awesome he said that um the mount of olives, olives next to jerusalem will split in two um and he said the second that the mountain splits in two, the Mashiach will be revealed to everyone. The Messiah will be revealed to everyone. Uh, and he said that, that the Messiah will stand at the entrance to this, um, th- this uh, valley after the mountains split. And he's the one that will be able to say who can enter and who cannot enter into this uh, valley. Um, he said anyone who doesn't um, have merit to enter will have to stay outside and die. And then he was speaking to the rabbi and he said you know he said on mount of olives he says where there are graves and and the rabbi shook his head yes because there are there is a cemetery right on the mount of olives and he said he saw two dead people come back to life from these graves and he said he said that was like one from here and one from here and he said um and then when those two people rose from the dead that's when the mountain split in two And Then he began to reveal about the Mashiach now. I can say I watched the whole video and um, in the whole video He was never revealed um, That the Mashiach the Messiah is Yeshua, but this is what he was revealed about uh, the Messiah the Messiah he said first of all it's someone who can't sin and who didn't commit any transgressions he said from what I understood he said, "Lots and lots of people know him," and I was excited about that because because he is correct in that because there are a lot of people that know Yeshua, um, you know, because he's our Savior and he lives within us. And he said, um, "But he said everyone will be very, very surprised that he of all people is the Messiah," and of course we know that the Jewish people are going to be very surprised when um, when they find out that that Yeshua, the one that they pierced. Um, is truly the Messiah and he said and now um, uh, and and he said now this Mashiach this Messiah he said he will fight against Obama and not only that he will kill him and bury him in the land of Israel and he said and I saw at that moment that um, the amount of olives splits in two and then the Messiah will stand at the entrance but he's not going to see who's religious who has a beard and who a person is, what he will see is he will see according to a person's holiness. And he will smell each person and he will smell if you have the aroma or the smell of holiness and if you are pure and if you did acts of kindness. He said the Messiah will not see if a person really has a fear. Um, he, he'll, he'll, excuse me, he said the Messiah will see if a person really has a fear of heaven and not just a fear of punishment. And he said he won't say these words, here you are, and because you have a hat and because you have a kippah so that's the reason that you can go in. And he said it's not like that. He said well, he will have a certain power that he will be able to feel what is truly inside every person. And when he spoke these things then the the rabbi began to question it, the boy's name was Nathan, and he said, are you a yeshiva student? And he said, no, I'm not a student of, of, of uh, yeshiva. And he said, have you read books about this? And he said, no. He said, I only knew this when I was taken up out of my body, He said, and I, and I was taken up for 15 minutes when I had that experience. And he said, I did not know those things before this. And so he's never studied Torah. He's not studied the Bible. This was just revealed to him while he was there. And what's the other what what also is very interesting is the day that he had this near death experience was September twenty eighth of twenty fifteen, which was that super blood moon, that fourth blood moon of the Tetrad that was seen over Israel. So it's very interesting that he was revealed these things um um on that very specific date. Um so then um the rabbi Said, um, I'm going to read you a scripture, and so he read Ezekiel 39:11 to the boy, and the boy said, "Yes, that's exactly exactly what they said to me exactly." So what I want to do is I want to read to you um, Ezekiel a little more of Ezekiel, so you can understand that what this boy was shown uh, certainly is in the Word of God. So in Ezekiel um, chapter 39. Uh, Starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read verse 1 to 11. So if you want to open up your Bibles and follow along with me, it says this. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. And I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will knock out the bow of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops, and the peoples who are with you. I will give you you to birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You shall fall upon the open field, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. And I will send fire on Magog. And on those who live in security in the coastlands. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. So I will make my name holy. um, Known in the midst of my people Israel. And I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nations shall know that I am the Lord. The Holy One in Israel. Surely it is coming and it shall be done. Says the Lord God. This is the day of which I have spoken. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel. Will go out. And set on fire and burn the weapons both the shield and buckler and the bows and the arrows and the javelins and the spears. and they will make fires with them for seven years they will not take wood from the field nor cut down any from the forest because they will make fires with the weapons and they will plunder those who plundered them and pillage those who pillage them sends the Lord God it will come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a burial place there in israel so the very thing in i and or excuse me in ezekiel thirty nine eleven is what the boy was told that the lord that the, the messiah will fight against gog and he will bury his body in israel it says it right there in ezekiel uh 39 um 11 and so um then, then the um, uh, rabbi said, um, I'm going to take you to another scripture um, that shows that what you have seen is in the Bible. And so he um, went to Zechariah uh, chapter 14, verses 3, and I'll start, I'll read it there. And it says, then the Lord will go forth and will fight against the nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it towards the south. Then you shall flee.